Happy Christmas, Fitzroy. 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 Merry Christmas, Fitzroy. Happy Christmas, Fitzroy. Good morning, Fitzroy. The candle which I am lighting today on this, the fourth Sunday in Advent, is variously known as the angel candle, or the candle of love and peace. The angels announced the good news of a saviour, saying, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. God sent his only son to save us because he loves us. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Good morning, Fitzroy. That was half of my elders uh, wishing you a happy Christmas. You'll see the other half either on Christmas morning or reading or singing or playing music during uh, these next three services. This is the first of a trilogy of services. We will go out at 10 o'clock on Christmas morning. I was going to send it out at 7, but people have said that they like the discipline and the habit of getting up at the regular time. I know not everybody can do that. You can watch this uh, the entire way through the week, but we're going to try and be together alone on Christmas morning at 10 o'clock and then next Sunday again at 11am as usual. Three services homing in on this amazing truth of the nativity stories and the theology and the discipleship that is within them. So please uh, come into that Christmas morning, a little bit lighter, a little bit shorter, a little bit more family orientated. You'll see some of the kids being involved in that. So please come in at 10 o'clock, give yourself... Um, half an hour to concentrate on uh, this amazing truth that God became human at one point uh, in our history. Let me take the chance to thank all the people that put this online. It's been a particularly busy week uh, getting things recorded, getting things mixed, getting things through the technology. So all the people behind the scenes, all the people you're going to see on the screens Really, thank you for um, being able to do all of this. And so whether you're a member of Fitzroy 
or whether you're one of our associate members across the world, um, happy Christmas. And if it can't be a happy Christmas, I pray more importantly than that, that it will be an Emmanuel Christmas. I pray that God will be with us all. O come, O come, Emmanuel.
In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will have no end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For this reason the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is to have a child in her old age and she of whom it was said she could not conceive is now in her sixth month for no word from God will ever fail. I am the servant of the Lord, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her.
Let us pray. Father, thank you for the gift of your word that quietly and powerfully speaks to us and has something to say to whatever situation we find ourselves in. 2020 has been a year like no other. We have all been and continue to be on an emotional roller coaster with ups and downs, but we thank you that throughout this time, throughout this wilderness, we have been able to find comfort in knowing that you have drawn near to us. You have offered us a place of refuge and you have given us strength and hope to face whatever difficulties have come our way. In Isaiah chapter 9 we read, There will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Father, this past year has often felt full of gloom and distress and darkness. For many of our families and friends, our church community and our neighbours, life has brought so much loss and anxiety and pain. We think of those whose mental health is suffering from isolation or loneliness or worry or depression. We think of those in financial hardship and fearing for the future and we think of those who have lost loved ones without getting to say goodbye. So much sadness and difficult to feel joy or gladness. In these days of gloom and darkness, may our conversations not carry words of anxiety and doom and fear. May we be carriers of words of good news, sharing words of friendship, connection, comfort and hope. Father, in this moment of silence now, we bring before you someone on our heart who is struggling at this time. We ask for your gentle whisper to show us how we can show love to them this Christmas. Father, as we continue in this time of Advent and waiting, I pray that we will all find time to seek out the quiet place, to drown out the noise around us and be filled again with wonder at what the birth of your Son really means to us. Thank you for the many ways you touch our lives. As wonderful counsellor, you guide us and give us wisdom. As mighty God, you fight for us against the injustices of this world. As everlasting Father, you love and protect us and want for us a life that is full. And as Prince of Peace, you want us to feel whole and well. In this silence now, we think of your character and ponder specifically on one of the names you were given and what that might mean for us today. In the words of the blessing that encouraged us earlier this year, the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. 
May his favour be upon you and a thousand generations and your children and their children and their children. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you, all around you and within you. He is with you. He is with you. In the morning, in the evening, in your coming and your going, in your weeping and rejoicing, he is for you. He is for you. Amen. I've had the strangest conversation. I'd struggle to believe that all of it were true. If my breath had not been taken or the ground beneath me had not been shaken by his very presence in the room. Tidal wave of panic and desperate confusion began to come within me as he brought me from my Every cadence can my fear, every syllable sincere, caressed me and compelled me to believe. And my senses overwhelmed me when I estimate his majesty, every fiber of my being joins with all creation singing songs of heart, the weaker lifted up. Songs that tell the richness of his love There was nothing promised that's easily imagined and Questions of the future leave me puzzled and concerned don't know where tomorrow leads, but his grace today is all I need. I know his love and love him in return. And my senses overwhelm me when I estimate his majesty. Every fiber of my being joins with all creation singing songs of Songs that tell the richness of his love My senses overwhelm me When I estimate his majesty Every fiber of my being Joins with all creation singing songs of heart The weaker lifted up Songs that tell the richness of his love So I find myself at Stormont with an icon of Mary. The Redemptorists were taking this icon of Mary around Ireland. And it was just at the time, uh, a few years ago, and I'm not sure it was the best local assembly we ever had. They might not have lasted many months. Uh, they were just about to take their seats and we thought it would be a good idea. Well, 
Gerdemkus thought it would be a good idea to take Mary uh, up to Stormont. And somebody thought, Stormont, Mary, Carson, statue, icons, let's bring in the Presbyterians to diffuse that a little bit. I'm not sure I diffused it very much when I said, oh, we'll come and we'll pray for every MLA. It was incredibly moving to pray for every MLA by name. And, uh, and then I'll talk about Mary. I'm not sure that's what they expect. There is this controversy, shall we say, uh, hundreds of years after the Reformation, about Mary. And I'll need to be honest with you, when I've been to some of the novenas at Clonard, I need to change in the liturgy the word Mary to Jesus, because I have real issues about the veneration of Mary, and had many discussions with Father Jerry about that. On the other hand... I have had some issues with the Protestant liturgy of Mary, uh, particularly at Windsor Park, Belfast, when I was a student at Queen's, and some of the songs they used to sing about the Pope and the Virgin Mary. There's something between the over-veneration and something between this Protestantism that seems to have lost this incredible woman. This was the mother of the Saviour. This was the mother of Jesus. This um, woman in the Scriptures is described as blessed among women. That's not some Catholic theology. That is a biblical description of Mary. Somewhere in between, we've lost the incredible power of her uh, role model to us in discipleship. And so I want us to look at that uh, this morning. And I don't want us to start there. Where I want us to start is in the wonder of the event that Mary is caught up in. Sometimes I don't think that it's tinsel and turkey and Santa Claus that distracts us from the incredible impact of Christmas morning. I think so much of the time it's our familiarisation with it. Uh, little nativities uh, up on the minister's shoulder uh, that way there. Um, uh, just whatever way we do it, we have lost this incredible impact of the event. Max Lucado brought it home to me wonderfully in his book, God Came Near. If you can pick that one up, it's, it's, you know, it's not deep theology from Max Lucado, but it's poetically descriptive and takes you into situations that are really, really helpful. And Lucado says this about this moment that, that Mary, not a moment obviously because she had months before and years after where she was caught up in this, uh, Jesus moment. Um, but, uh, he, he describes it. Christmas morning, the birth of Jesus. And of course, many Christmases recently we've played Labour of Love, that amazing Andrew Peterson song that tells us that, that this was pretty brutal for Mary. She was given birth. She was given birth in a strange town, uh, amazingly away from her mother, which is something that you might need or be helped with if you're a, a woman about to give birth. Um, the situation and circumstances aren't really great here. This is not a quiet night, as Andrew Peterson's song says. But what's happening in this young teenage woman giving birth to her firstborn son? Uh, there's far more happening than just the drama of that. Because this is what Lucado says. The omnipotent, in one instant, made himself breakable. He who had been spirit became pierceable. He who was larger than the universe became an embryo. And he who sustains the world with a word chose to be dependent on the nourishment 
of a young girl. God as a fetus. Holiness sleeping in a womb. The creator of life being created. God was given eyebrows, elbows, two kidneys and a spleen. He stretched against the walls and floated in the amniotic fluids of his mother. God came near. This is remarkable. The God of the universe was born as a baby. As I put it, and Johnny will sing on Christmas morning in the service then, the eternal focused on a moment. The voice becomes a listener. The word becoming flesh and bone close enough to whisper. The beyond the world's comprehension moves right into the midst of her. Heaven stoops to touch the earth close enough to whisper. This is remarkable. God that flung stars into space is dependent on the breast of a teenage girl for nourishment. My goodness, but we got to stop on Christmas week and we got to ponder the wonder of what we are talking about here. And I don't want us to miss the wonder of the events that are happening to Mary. But then I want us to concentrate on the wonder of the woman herself. Not only her, but Elizabeth. I love them in this story. I love how they find each other in this story. I find how, I, 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 I love how they, they become a shelter and a refuge to one another in this story. Again, like at the cross, more women around the birth of Jesus than there are in our pulpits, but enough of that. Um, Mary and Elizabeth are just such incredible disciples uh, with this kind of calm. Even though Mary needs to go and find Elizabeth, when this angel appears to her, she is the fullness of calm uh, in the events that not only happen in that moment of the visitation, but also in the implications and the working out of that as it goes right through to Cana of Galilee, to the cross and beyond. Mary is this amazing woman. And uh, I am awed by these events 2,020 years later. What must it have been like to go through them? Ten years ago, and it is ten years ago, we should have the remastered um, version of what Dave has just sung to us uh, a moment or two ago. Ten years ago, Dave wrote that song for Christmas 2010 in Fitzroy. And I'll be honest, I think it's his best song. I think in that song are some of Dave's best, 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 best lyrics. And that's why I wanted him to sing it today. That's why I wanted to use it to expound uh, this passage in Luke, which gives us this story of Mary. Let, let me just remind you of what Dave has been singing to us a moment or two ago. There was nothing promised that is easily imagined. And questions of the future leave me puzzled and concerned. You can see that. Mary must have been thinking, this is not easily imagined what's going to happen from here. Or even how I tell people what's just happened to me in this visitation. The questions of the future must have left her puzzled and concerned. And then Dave goes on, and these are the key words, and we're going to come back to these again and again this morning. I don't know where tomorrow leads, 
But his grace today is all I need. I know his love and love him in return. Those, Dave, sorry, those are as good as you've ever written. I don't know where tomorrow leads, but his grace today is all I need. I know his love and love him in return. I just love those words and I want to unpack those words a little bit. So I want to unpack the passage that um, from Luke chapter 1 that Philip narrated to us earlier on and then I want to unpack Dave unpacking that passage. Two things I want to say and maybe a couple of things within the two things. The two things I want to say is first of all this incredible understanding that Mary had of the love of God. She understood God's love. She must have because she was unmoved by it. She believed and she trusted and she had just this sense that if this is God's word then I am your servant and let it be. She had a sense of the love of God that was foundational it seems in her life. I know his love and I love him in return. And later on in the song Dave sings songs of how the weak are lifted up, songs that tell the richness of of his love and I think Dave captures something of how Mary understands God at this time in this passage. It's a general love of God, it is that God is love, but it's also that God loves her and that God will sustain her and whatever it is, I am your servant and let your word be fulfilled in me is basically what Mary says to the angel. She understands the love of God. But then you can understand the love of God. That's all very well. You can have theology about it and you can know your verses about it and you can preach about it. But it's when you have to throw yourself into that love of God that makes the difference. Mary understood the general love of God for humanity and she even understood the love of God particularly for herself. But even then she had to be willing To say here I am your servant. May whatever you're saying become truth. Her willingness for the next step to me is crucial if we're going to learn something about discipleship in the life of Mary. I don't know where tomorrow leads but his grace today is all I need. The next step. I don't know where tomorrow leads but his grace today is is all I need. Oh goodness, if we could take that in. But Dave has expressed wonderfully there that spirit of Mary that we catch. It seems for sure that she doesn't understand what the future is. There's puzzlement up ahead about the future. But in that moment, she says, I'll take that step and I'll move into the next step. I've, of course, just written a book. Thank you for those who've come this week and bought it at the door. Um, Trevor Stevenson's memoir, Uh, From the Killing Fields to Fields of Life, in my opinion, has got many a range of things. If you want to know about Fields of Life, I think there's the book, at least the foundations of Fields of Life. If you want to know a little bit about Uganda, then you'll get it there. If you've been in Uganda, then you'll feel uh, some of the roads as you travelled on them when you're there. You'll get yourself back onto those roads. But deep down, it's a book about one ordinary human being who took the next step. In some ways, Trevor Stevenson, he didn't know where tomorrow leads, but knew God's grace today was all he needed. 
The book starts, Trevor's on a plane on his way back from a, a couple of week trip to Uganda to help people think about a farm. That's all he's gone to do. He's a curate in Maralind. He's not going to do anything more in Uganda. He's going to finish his curacy. He's going to find a church. He's going to be a Church of Ireland minister. But he's wrestling with God on the way home in this plane. What does God want him to do with all the things that he had seen? And he, he senses on that plane that God wants him to raise some money for the farm that he's just visited and the school that he's just been on next step when he gets the money then they have to send somebody with the money to make sure the money's used right it's not for at all for trevor and ruth's wife they're waiting to adopt children and it doesn't fit but he senses the call of god i don't know where tomorrow leads but his grace today is all i need and they decide to go off and make sure they can find that and settle that down before they know it they're in uganda before they know it, they're trying to put this farm together. That doesn't work, and then these guys come round a tree, and I've been to that tree, the magical fields of life tree, where the LC ones, the local councillors come, and they sit round the tree, and they say to Trevor, would you ever think of building a school for our children? Next step. He's taken a step, he takes the next step. God gives him the next step. So he builds a school, he thinks there's only going to be one school, and then somebody gives him money for another school, and before we know it, we have built a school. 20 years later in Onialaku were part of almost 120 schools and all the kinds of water wells and all the other stuff that fields of life have done. It all happens because one person, one ordinary guy from Wicklow, decided to take the next step of discipleship. Nothing spectacular about Trevor Stevenson. I know it. I've spent some years of my life with him, not only physically, but I've spent the last 25 with him in his memoir. Nothing spectacular about Trevor Stevenson. The most incredible thing about Trevor Stevenson is the humble way that he makes the next step with God, believing that God's grace is enough for that next step. Now, this week I thought to myself, this is blasphemy, Steve. You cannot equate Trevor Stevenson with the mother of the Lord. And then my reformed theology came back to me and I thought, of course I can. Us Presbyterians, us reformed Protestants, we believe in a priesthood of all believers. Well, I'm sure it has been coined before now. But what I want to do is I want to coin a new phrase. The merriness of all believers. Of course Trevor Stevenson is just as ordinary as Mary, who was ordinary. And sometimes, I think when you read the book, you might say, aye, but I can't be a Trevor Stevenson. As Trevor Stevenson says, aye, aye, but I don't ever liken me to Mary. The truth is, we are all fragile and made by God from dust of the earth with God's breath breathed into us. We've all been created by God. We've all been redeemed by this baby that Mary has in her womb. We are all the same. We are all equal. Priesthood of all believers, the merriness of all believers. You do not need to be extraordinary to take the next step. You do not need to be extraordinary to, I don't know where tomorrow leads, but his grace today is all I need. We all need to be these kinds of disciples. Oh, and most of us, I would suggest, none of us, will become the mere, the mother of the saviour of the universe and all of that. I'd also suggest that many of us will not start NGOs that can make the impact in East Africa that fields of life have. 
but we might. But here's the thing. What God can do in ordinary human beings who take a merry approach to the story, I am your servant. I want it as your word has come to me. If we responded like Mary, then I guarantee you that we would do incredible things. Oh, the world might not know what those incredible things are. Somebody might not write gospels with us in them. Or somebody might not write a memoir with us in them. But we would make an impact for God. If we take Mary through Dave Thompson, I don't know where tomorrow leads, but his grace today is all I need. I know his love and love him in return. Two quick things as we finish. We're in a coronavirus Christmas. In fact, I could say to you, it's four shopping days to the middle of February. We are in a serious situation again in Northern Ireland, and we have a serious lockdown coming up. And some of us are weary of it, some of us are tired of it, some of us are frustrated about it. There's mental, spiritual, emotional and physical issues going on, never mind the business issues, in our community. But here is the thing. It seems to me that as God called Mary to a a particular task, a particular vocational role, and she said, I am your servant. I'm up for it. I will depend on your grace for the next step as you lead me. That God's doing the same for us in coronavirus times. We are the generation of Christians that have been asked to live through these days. And the implications of discipleship have to meet these days. It's not that we're disciples of Jesus and there's coronavirus out there. It is that we are disciples of Jesus within the coronavirus. And it seems to me there's two things that Mary does that we need to do over these next months, hopefully last months before this vaccine begins to have an impact. We need faith. We need faith that what the angel said is right. For nothing will be impossible with God. We need faith. We need faith to believe that we don't know where tomorrow leads, but God's grace today is all we need. And we need commitment. Mary had the faith and then she gave the commitment. Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. As we travel these next months and hopefully last months of coronavirus, then the discipleship of Mary may be that which doesn't only see us through, but sees us through to make an impact on those around us. We need to be those who, if we don't know where tomorrow leads, know that his grace will be all that we need. We love him and he He loves us and we love him in return. Seems to me that if I went scanned the entire Gospels and I thought, what's a phrase for discipleship? I think it's the one that Jesus gave at Caesarea Philippi. They say that you're the Christ and Jesus says... That if you follow him, you've got to deny yourself daily, take up your cross and follow him. Or deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow him. That's what we need to do in coronavirus times. Be disciples right through the middle of it. We need to deny ourselves. Take up our cross. It's not easy. It wasn't easy for Mary. She was, I, I always say that she's lost on the fault line between the expectations of earth, between the difficulties of how earth are going to respond to her and the mysterious ways of heaven. She's caught on the fault line between the expectations of earth and what earth thinks and what earth says and the mysterious ways of heaven that have come 
to earth. We need to understand that this was not easy for Mary to go through these days any more than it is for us to go through coronavirus days. In fact, if we liken it, we missed the point of the gospel reading. We need to do what Mary did. Because I always say that in the nativity is everything that Jesus would teach later on in his ministry. And if ever there is in the nativity an outworking of deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me, then it's how Mary responds to this visitation of an angel. It's how Mary responds to becoming pregnant with the salvation of the world. It's how Mary responds to being a refugee. It's how Mary responds in Cana of Galilee. It's how Mary responds at the cross. In her life she responds by being a disciple who takes up her cross daily, denies herself, takes up her cross daily and follows Jesus. And whispering to us from the nativity on my uh, shoulder behind me today is that same Mary, that same God, that same gospel that says, here, look at this woman. Do what this woman says. Because this woman, she's, as Dave sang earlier, I don't know where tomorrow leads, but his grace today is all I need. I know his love and love him in return. I am your servant. Let it be with me according to your word. Deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Mary, oh, I wouldn't pray to her as divine. I wouldn't sing raunchy songs about her on a football stadium. I would use her as an example of discipleship. I would use her as an example of somebody who lived the discipleship that Jesus was going to spend three years trying to get his disciples to follow.
And so Fitzroy, as we go into this Christmas week, let us pray the benediction blessing over one another now. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Emmanuel Christmas.
Happy Christmas, Fitzroy.